Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Bevelations, Cocktails and Conversations with Philly's Most Fabulous. This is a very special episode because it is our 25th episode, our 25th actual interview episode. I'm not counting I RuPaul's Drag Race, Drag Race, my Drag Race, my Drag Race recaps. So, the... So, yes, this is our 25th interview. Um, it, we've been doing this for almost a year now. And by we, I mean me and my friend Eric Cedarholm, who posted online for me. Uh, and it's been uh, it's been a long process. I feel like in some ways it feels like it's been just yesterday. In some days it feels like it's been 15 years. But today's episode was actually the brainchild of my good friend, Mr. Brandon Robert, who thought it might be fun to have to turn the tables and have him inter- him interview me for a change so that is what we're going to uh, have today it's a little look behind the curtain I know I talk a lot about my experiences through have talked about it throughout the podcast but this is kind of like a one-stop shop in terms of my sort of my background and where I started and where I came from and it was nice to reminisce and I appreciate Brandon reaching out to me wanting to do that so um if you're listening to this before the weekend, it is the, the week before Outfest weekend here in Philly. It's a very exciting weekend ahead. If you're in Philly, you should definitely come out on Sunday. I think the weather's supposed to be okay. It's gone from being rainy to last time I checked being overcast and cloudy. But the nice thing about Outfest is that it's not crazy hot like it is in the summertime for Pride. So we do get to not want to kill ourselves being in drag all day. So I will be on the main stage hosting the Taboo set uh, at some point on uh, Sunday afternoon. I don't have our time scheduled just yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Uh, have some other fun and exciting events all over, some college shows coming up. And my big announcement is that in November, and I'll be plugging the shit out of this over the next few episodes, I have my next Bev's Bitch Fest is a Real Housewives-themed uh, Bitch Fest where all of the queens are going to be portraying various famous Real Housewives from Bravo. And I'm very excited about that. Um, I am a huge fan of the Housewives franchises and of the Bitch Sesh podcast, which if you're not listening to, you should definitely uh, download that. It's starring uh, Casey Wilson from Happy Endings and Danielle Schneider, and they recap the Real Housewives podcast uh, episodes on their podcast, and it's a hoot. So download that and listen to that, and stay tuned to details for our Bev's Bitch Fest podcast. I'm going to shut the fuck up because I talk enough in this episode, and I will see you kids at the end. Bye! joined by me <laughs> for a special 25th episode of Bevelations. We're going to switch shit up and my good friend, Mr. Brandon Robert. Hello. Previous guest, Brandon Robert, former empresario of Philly Dragopolis. Oh, empresario, you like that? Uh, is going to interview me. Since I don't talk about myself nearly enough. I know, we don't know enough about you. You don't. But this will be fun. This was your idea. This was Brandon's idea. He thought it might be fun to, like, turn the tables. Uh, and you approached me a little while ago about it. And I thought, no. Yeah, um, it kept changing. It was going to be the 10th, then yeah, maybe yeah. the 15th, then the Well, 20th. I didn't want to be like, I felt, felt like it was overindulgent. But um, but this is the 25th one. I've been doing this for almost almost 10 months now. Which, so. um, applaud for that. Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank That's amazing. You. Um, so yeah, so we're going to let, we're going to turn it over to Mr. Brandon Robert, who's going to interview little old me. It's funny because I haven't interviewed a drag queen in a long time. You're rusty. It's like, I am rusty. It's like riding a bicycle. Although I had you'll to, I had to look riding up. a twink. You'll be right out. You'll be able to get right back on board. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> okay. Speaking so into the microphone, Alex. Sorry. Sorry. Um, okay. So we're going to get right into the obvious start question. Um, why did you decide to start doing drag? Um, well, I've told this story a few times. I don't know if I've told it on this podcast, um, but I did tell it on an, an episode, Mimi's one and only episode of her podcast <laughs> that she did. Uh, so I'm originally from the Baltimore area, and um, I did theater for many, many years. I did it all through high school and college, and then when I graduated, I realized that I was not good enough to do it professionally, <laughs> but I was good enough to do it um, 
as a hobby. So I had a day job. I've always worked, pretty much always worked in uh, a dental office, at least since 2005. How, did, how does one go from theater to a dental well, office? Uh, well, funny you I mean, ask. not that that has anything to do with no, drag, but well, I've always been curious. Well, um, I waited tables all through college. Um, I waited tables for four years in my hometown in this place that's not there anymore. It was called Harry's Main Street Grill. Uh, shout out to Westminster, Maryland. Um, <laughs> uh, it was basically like a Chili's or an Applebee's, but it was like family owned and operated. Nice. Uh, and then when I graduated... I moved to Baltimore City, and I got a job at the beautiful, illustrious Cheesecake Factory Ooh. at the Harbor, Inner Harbor. At the time, it was the only Cheesecake Factory in Maryland. That had so to be hopping. Very, it was very fancy and very, exclusive. very busy, very exclusive. Um, and I was ready to kill myself after a year <laughs> because it was a combination of going from working for, like, a mom-and-pop place to working for, like, the most corporate environment ever, uh-huh. where, like, if you're... If your white pants were not pressed, you had to go home. If you're, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and also, it was the first situation where I was dependent upon the generosity of others for my livelihood. Okay. Like, all through college, it was just like, well, I live on campus. This is just money for me to, like, put aside. But when it became like, oh, I have to pay my rent. I have to pay my student loans. I have to pay my no, gas and electric and no cable. No more mom and dad. Right. So, and I mean, I was working at a busy restaurant, but like once the summer was over and it gets cold weather, nobody wants to go to the fucking harbor in Baltimore anymore. So it became, I just, I needed a change and I was still doing theater in my spare time. And at the time, a good friend of mine who I had done shows with, uh, her sister came to see a show that we were doing at the time and we went out for food afterwards. And I was telling that whole story about how I needed to do something different. And she said to me, well, have you ever thought about working in a dental office? And I was like, I'm the fucking obvious, open obvious to anything. Well, because she was an office manager of a dental practice, and they were looking for a front desk receptionist. And I said, I didn't have any experience. But she said I had customer service experience, so she was willing to train me. And I kind of worked my way up the ladder at that office and then went to another office in Baltimore. Stayed there for almost seven years before I moved to wow. Philly. And then I, I got hired at the practice I'm at now before I even moved here. And I've been with them for over five years now. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm interviewing you for a job at my... I know, right? I'm a very, I'm, I am a very studious, so. But yeah, I'm, I like it because it's always afforded me. It's a job that you leave it at the fucking door. You can't take it home, even if you wanted to, because of, like, privacy regulations. I have my weekends and my evenings free. I, it doesn't get fucked up with having to, like, get called into work or something. So long story short, see, this is going to be a very long episode because I, I don't right? shut the fuck up. Uh, long story short, when I moved to Philly, there wasn't a theater scene like I was used to, which is like community theater, volunteer stuff. It was either the Walnuts and the Wilma or some like obscure shit in a basement of a building where you were like performing in a tub full of blood. Shout out to Gunnar Montana. Um, so that was like, I was like, I don't really fit into this. I was used to doing like Thoroughly Modern Millie in a big auditorium on the weekends. Like, yeah. that's what I was used to. So, um, my friend and I had created these drag funny... There wasn't... I wouldn't even call it drag. We created these funny, like, mom-woman characters from the last show I did in Baltimore before I moved, which was Hairspray. And Bev and Carol were two of the moms in Hairspray who, at the end of Act 1, all the boys have to play moms for the mother-daughter dance. And then we made, like, a YouTube channel for Bev and Carol, which is still up, but I need to get rid of because we were drunk and, and the characters were racist and it was just not I, good. I You've think seen I've them. seen them. Yeah. I think I've seen uh, them. Luna LeVay loves them. She shows them to all of her friends. Shout out to <laughs> Luna LeVay. Um, but so then when I moved to Philly and I was on my own, I decided like to try to make this more of a legitimate like drag. Because I'd been out and about and I'd seen that drag was a little bit more different here than what I was used to in Baltimore, which was everything was pageantry. Everything was like stand in a rhinestone gown and, and model or do a get on up, get on up kind of a number. And there were different things here. Uh, I said in my interview with Brittany Lynn, like one of the first weekends we lived here, we went out just randomly on a Sunday night to Tavern and they were doing a thing they did back then called Show Us Your Tunes, which is during show tunes, but it was like a little short drag show. And it was like drag queens doing show tune numbers and not 
in a gown with an updo. So it was like, oh, there's room for other things. So that's when I could. Now, did you ever perform? Because I wanted to bring up Baltimore. Did did you ever perform in Baltimore? We did Bev and Carol three times in Baltimore at these, like, they started to do right before I left these, like, they called them, um, it wasn't like amateur drag night. I forget what it was called. It was like, basically, it was like, drag queen of the month contest where like all the new queens showed up and you just like turned in your CDs and then you performed one number. And then if you won, you got to like come back the next month as like the guest entertainer and get paid. So, um, we, so a little like drag arena, basically, <laughs> basically, uh, but without aloe vera, thank God. Um, shout out to aloe vera. Uh, and we, uh, we never won, but we just did like stupid, like, that was where I made my first mixes. Like, we just mixed, like, Take Me or Leave Me from Rent into Evil Woman from Xanadu and then, like, performed in Toga's Made of Bed Sheets. So, so you've always been into mixes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I remember when you first came to the city, I um, met you at, a, at one of Josh's shows. Um, he had said, oh, there's this great new queen, Bev. She's new to the city. You... you which of Josh's remember? shows? I don't remember what it was, it had, to be very honest it with It had you. to have been, like, Ratchet or something. Maybe. It might have been. It, it, I don't remember My exactly first what show it, that I ever performed in here in Philly, I was supposed to perform. Here's going way back. I had befriended, and I've mentioned her a few times on this podcast, I befriended a queen who does not live in Philadelphia anymore. Uh, oh, her name shall not be she named. She who shall not be named rhymes with Shmyanna Schmarling. And she had organized a Halloween show with Mrs. P at Taboo. Oh, flashbacks. And I was going to be like a guest in that. And then she, they had a falling out. So that got canceled. As, as many people have with her. <laughs> but they were getting ready to start the next season of uh, Circus of Stars. So my first performance in Philly was like my like first was the first night that I like auditioned at Circus of the Stars. Maybe maybe it wasn't a Josh show, but Josh was telling me about he. I just remember him specifically talking to me about a, a great new queen, and you know when I hear oh there's a great new queen performing tonight, I am out to see them. You're like can I Especially, fuck up? And they were like then you saw me and you were like no no I can't. Well not always. <laughs> fuck them or book them. I, I usually don't do the first one. Um, but just kidding. Um, Turn this shit on on sorry, silent. I'm Jesus sorry. Christ. Um, but you know, back then, especially, I was in the heat of uh, casting shows and booking right. shows. So yeah. you know, whenever I heard from anyone that there was a good new queen, great new queen, a comedy queen, I was always out. And um, I remember talking to you and you telling me that in in Baltimore they didn't particularly care for Bev very much. Well, right. It was now, just like a joke. It wasn't anything like anyone took seriously. It was like, oh, I like here come the two idiots being stupid during the drag show. It wasn't like, like they guess, were doing drag. Since you already talked about like what the difference is in Baltimore and drag here, mm -hmm. what was it that was the turnaround for you that you said, you know what, I want to take this character and run? Like if it was just a joke in Baltimore. What in Philadelphia made you, like, say... Well, I just saw that there was different types. Like, I um, I had known Cleo since college, Cleo Thatcher. We'd met at the American College Theater Festival, so I'd known her, and she had started doing drag here. She didn't do drag when I first met her. We both just did theater. And she'd started doing drag, and clearly she does something different. And I'd seen Brittany and the girls at, at um, Tavern... Uh, I don't know if I'd gone to Voyeur yet for, like, a dollhouse. I think that came later. But, like, it was just clear that this wasn't, it wasn't, every night wasn't Miss Gay Maryland, Miss Gay Eastern Maryland, Miss Gay Baltimore Maryland, Miss Gay this, Miss Gay that. It just, that, that's not what it was. Okay. And I might have gone to, um, I think I went to Sinful Sunday one Sunday when I had Monday off. And I was, like, blown away, blown away that it was just, like, a show that wasn't a contest, that it was just queens performing and doing, like, music. Because I yeah. had never seen a show like that before. <laughs> We've got a little contest heavy here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, even back, but this was five years ago. Yeah, true. Um, and so I realized that this was something. And I was also looking for a creative outlet because at th that point I'd probably been here for about a year. 
I hadn't, I tried to do theater. I'd auditioned for a couple things. I didn't either get them or I ended up realizing it really wasn't for me. So I turned that down. So I was looking for something to do with that and then just kind of took a chance to see if like this was something that would work. And everyone responded to it so well that first night at Taboo. Um, that I was just like, oh shit, okay. So this. Is so was that like a turnaround moment for you? I or think like, so. Or was there a moment later on where you were like, because I feel like the Bev we saw when you first started Drag Wars, and I probably should ask you what made you decide to do Drag Wars. We'll get there. Um, the Bev we saw in the beginning of Drag Wars and the Bev you are now are completely different. Polar opposites <laughs> of why. Well, because I came from, and I've said, I feel like I'm reiterating myself a lot. So if you've listened to this shit before, I apologize. Um, I, when I was, I guess not growing up, but when I was like going through my like gay, like discovery years and shit, there wasn't RuPaul's Drag Race, but there was Coco Peru and Trick and there was Girls Will Be Girls and there was Varla Jean Merman and there was Hedda Lettuce and that kind of stuff. So those were the queens that I was just like, I want to be like that. And Coco Peru has one wig. Now, she has, like, five of the same wig, but she has one wig, and that is her style. And you see that, and that's immediately, you're like, that's Coco. Varla is always a redhead. It could be a big wig, it could be a small wig, it could be a bob, but it's always red, and you always know from behind, that's fucking Varla Jean Merman. So that was what I originally was like, okay, I have this crazy, kooky... Christian nutjob character because that's what it had been when Bev and Carol were together. We were like these Lutheran moms. It was kind of like based off of the moms from um, the drunk moms from Drop Dead Gorgeous. And (laughs) (laughs) so I did like funny Christian like in like church clothes kind of numbers. And those were fun. But then I realized and this blossomed a lot during Drag Wars when I entered that I was like Okay, kind of did that. I felt like I made like a three or four mixes where it was basically like the same joke was like Christian, like Sandy Patty or Kristen Chenoweth's Christian song, some kind of monologue, either the God Warrior or Betty Bauer is the world's best Christian, and then another song. Yeah. Okay, I made that joke. Now what can I do? And that coincided with around the time that I started doing it. I, I entered Drag Wars. And I did that, honestly, just because I wanted to try to... I had been to Voyeur at that point. I wanted to, like, perform on that stage in that... I had done... Um, Brittany had... I had met Brittany Lynn um, from doing Circus of the Stars, and she had hired me from a, for a couple gigs, and one of them was doing Match Game at... Oh, I remember that. Voyeur. It was funny. I was texting her today about that, because it came up on my... Um, it came up on my... Uh, time hop that we did that oh. and we were reminiscing about all the all the mishaps that occurred during I, that you know, do you still have your squirt bottle <laughs> i probably do somewhere yeah because okay. i remember that my holy be, water squirt that, bottle that used to be a big part of your shtick mm-hmm. it used to come out almost in every number at some point <laughs> yeah but um i i was like voyeur is this huge space i want to like perform there more so i entered drag wars i honest to god when i like email i remember writing out like the email, like, what do you do this, 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 and this? And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm really right for this. And then, um, I don't know if I'm right for this, but I'll stick with you and, and be a judge and be with you well, for but, many, many cycles after. Well, but, but at the I time, mean, well, yeah, but at the time, like, I had never been, like, I had heard about, I had, I was friends with Cleo, so I knew about, like, the drama of her cycle. Oh. And then, Cycle um, two was the, even worse. <laughs> and this was back when, shout out to um, Ryan Breslin. Ryan Breslin was doing the when in the neighborhood oh, uh, yes. Tumblr thing. And he would post all these gifts of like last night at Drag Wars. And it was like, you are a terrorist. And then like explosions <laughs> and shit. So I go on Facebook and like try to figure out what had happened at Drag Wars. All you had to do was get a Philly Dragopolis. Well, but I didn't know that back then. <laughs> but um, so like. As in, I had never been a newbie in a like city before because I'd grown up in in, yeah. in Baltimore basically. So like figuring out like where to go and who to see and what to what, um, I didn't really know what to expect other than like Drag Wars was like this big thing where all this dramatic shit happened and like I don't know if I but did also, you have any dramatic shit happen to you? Uh, not at that point. 
At, I mean, during Drag Dur- Wars? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, We're already 20 minutes in. Um, so long story short, I... Really? That, shut up. Go ahead. I'll edit my own fucking shit. Leave me alone. So I auditioned for Drag Wars, and that was back when you did... And we've talked about this with, like, Aurora and stuff. It was before, like, she did all, like, the pre-promo shit. We just showed up the night of. We, we had took to, your picture. We had to have a we had to have a picture for the promo photo, and then we had to have our costume. And like the the mentors weren't allowed to see us. Yeah, it was Poison Brooklyn and Ariana, and they weren't allowed to see us. Nope. So I had met Ariana once before. She was very nice to me. I'd never met Brooklyn or Poison before in my life. Um, I I did my number. I got like amazing reception. Um, Ari- what number was it? It was. Um, I wanted, I think I did it for your show, The Ones. It was like a sunshine day by the Brady oh, Bunch okay. into, I, it was like a happy day, sad day kind of funny number. And I got amazing reception from that. But the reason I bring you back to your question is after like the second or third week of doing Drag Wars, wearing this same mousy brown wig and like church clothes, I was like, I can't make this work for what for the whole the co- what the challenges are. Yeah. So that's when I started to like borrow wigs from other people and like try to like do other types of looks that were that were not within the whole Christian shtick, but it was still like funny. I mean, I clearly I was back then especially like I got my I put my makeup on in 5 minutes, so it wasn't going to be like <laughs> a glamour queen. I will tell you one of the things that I I remember probably the your number the most, your cycle, your original cycle, not the all-star cycle, is when you sang live Sweeney Todd. Mm. But yeah, I don't think I've seen you sing live since then. Well, because one of the, again, one of the first bookings I got was from being friends with Cleo. She had her live singing show at Taboo at the time, and she booked me in that. Yeah. And so I'd done that a couple times. I, I, I can sing. It's not what I'm confident in, so I don't prefer to I don't try to do it okay. I just think it would be fun well, maybe, maybe. Luke Luke bothers me all the fucking time about it like you should sing we should do a duet we should, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you, should you should do enough you should do Sweeney Todd again but I don't know why but that number always stood out to me like it's the one well that was such a clusterfuck really because the intro voyeur fashion the microphones didn't work <laughs> and maybe, like that, I got, maybe that's why I, I got off from, I, I got off from the DJ karaoke booth. track because I couldn't hear it because of feedback from the microphones and then fucking poisons like I didn't like it because I couldn't hear you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, she also doesn't like Broadway, no, she doesn't, so. But we're good now. Uh, so, yeah. So, it did progress from there, but only really out of necessity because, like, I feel like if I was going to continue to work, I needed to, like, start doing new shit to keep people interested because it was going to be get old super fast doing the same three things every single time you went and saw me. But, I mean, I, th- I think when you go back to that core... Of the like, it was always an irreverent character, and I yeah. feel like it still is an irreverent, like mouthy, bitchy extension of me. Um, it's just like now I'm a fucking obsessed with wigs. You, yeah, I was gonna say and, when you said she has one wig, I'm like, well, you. I still have that fucking get, mousy brown wig. You definitely don't get inspiration from that as we sit here and there's five hundred wig heads looking at us. I know, um, staring down at us. I just I got bit by like. I'm like, oh, wow, I look pretty in this. Oh, wow, I would look amazing in this. And then I had the means to, to, to make it happen, so. Nice. That's funny. It's funny because we just... Mimi tells me all the time, she's like, you've abandoned your character. You're compl-. I'm like, I don't think I abandoned the character. I just don't think it could exist in that one honed-in... Like, yeah, I get it. There are queens in New York and there are queens in other cities, and now especially with this whole, like, Dragula thing, there are queens whose shtick is that they're busted. After a while, I got tired, especially when I got hired for Dollhouse. It was like, we would do like these cute group numbers and I could do the choreography and I would like want to wear a cute costume, but I had to be like the homely mom who came out at the end and shoot everybody off stage. Yeah. And like after a while, you get tired of being the other sister. You get tired of fucking being Juliette Lewis in a swan costume. (laughs) So... I started to like play around with more with makeup and and try to do bigger hair and try to dress nicer while still, in my opinion, like maintaining a comedic act. It just was. I, I mean, the comedy I de- think is definitely there, and I think you mm-hmm. always you still have numbers that have that like religious undertone. Definitely, and, 
I feel like Bev has evolved more into almost like a political commentary more I try, so I than try. just yeah. religion. Like yeah. you, you've tackled what Melania Trump. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you haven't tackled that you want to tackle? There's a, there's um, a good question. I mean, it's hard now. I, I feel like it's so funny. I was, I was telling a friend of mine uh, last weekend. I was like, it's so funny. I have so many Trump numbers, <laughs> but they're also out of date because so much shit happens with him on a daily basis. It's like, oh, remember when, like, remember the little kids from the rally who was like, President Trump, USA, here we are. Like, I made a number about that. That was less than a year ago, but it's, <laughs> it's completely so irrelevant now. Things. I did a number about Melania slapping his hand away. That was three months ago. We're, we're completely we, we on to other remember. shit now, yeah. I made a Kellyanne Conway mi microwave. Number. Well, Kelly and Conway is still an ass. Yeah. It's and just hard with this, especially with this administration. It's like you think up an idea. What about... What I, about I, made a, I made a Maxine Waters re, um, a reclaiming my time number, which I've done a couple times. I'm like, no, okay, well, that's pretty much over now because yeah. that's been a month ago. You should do a Huckabee number. Oh, she's, Sarah. She's, she's, bless her heart. She's she's so glam. She is. She can, she I can, can break out, back to I your old... Say, I could break out some old Bev sweater sets for her. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Where do we go from here? I don't know. You're the one interviewing, well, we, bitch. We, you know, but we answered. We you answered so many of my questions in that that long monologue. Um, so I think I already know this, but I know this is a question you like to ask everyone. Mm -hmm. What is your most embarrassing drag moment? Um, uh, I will. Um, I have a couple different answers. I mean, I fell down the fucking stairs. That's what candy. I thought you were going to answer. Um, I will say that my most embarrassing memory relating to a performance is I, there was one time that I did a number at Taboo for a show where it was my, I'll just say it, my, it was my Bill Cosby number. Oh, I think I know this one. And it was the first time that I ever was met with backlash from a number. Because, like, I've done, like, I've d I have a number about diabetes. I have a number about Parkinson's. I have a number about the Philadelphia train crash. Just because I, I produce a show called See You in Hell, and these are intentionally offensive numbers. Fun fact, I made Ariel Versace's 9-11 number. The, 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 Ooh, the controversial. The controversial one that got her in so much fucking trouble. I made that. So it's your fault. Well, but that was what the, <laughs> but that was what the, the, challenge, the was. challenge was. And if the, the challenge is offensive comedy, we're going to go there. Like, if the joke can be made, why does, you might as well go for the fucking joke. Because if you just half-ass it, then, then, then what's the point in doing it? But so I made this Bill Cosby number. I had done it several times before. It had always gone over well. People always, I thought it was ridiculous enough that we were poking fun at the subject, um, but not without like being like, in my opinion, blatantly like triggering yeah. for lack of a better word. And I did it. And I think it was just a combination of the wrong place and the wrong time. Not my core audience. I got so much backlash from that, that I was almost embarrassed embarrassed that I not that I'd done it but like that I had hurt people's feelings unintentionally and it took me a while so like I mean I, I still disagree with it somewhat but I can also it, did, it was a learning experience for me that like okay maybe everybody doesn't approach things the way I do like maybe everyone doesn't always want to go so over that, that line yeah you gotcha. so that was embarrassing um and I have not done that number since. <laughs> we just put that one away. I do have a costume. To be honest with you, I th I, I've seen but the that costume. Cost well, that costume was for something completely different. That costume was for a, a drag, for Miss Comedy Queen. For That doesn't have a number associated with it. That was for an evening out, outrageous evening gown for Comedy Queen two years oh, ago. Oh, okay. So you, don't, you didn't actually I don't do a number, number with no. that. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually don't think I've seen the Cosby number. It's framed around a Jello Pudding Pop commercial, and he feeds me a drugged Jello Pudding Pop. <laughs> okay. Well, how, so I, I mean, then the, there's somewhere we can go with this. Like in this day and age where we're living right now, where everything is very offensive. How yeah. do you 
decide there was where to where to where to draw the line and how how far I just have learned I think I think that the thing that that I learned the most from that is um and now especially because I do shows for very different types of audiences depending on the show there you need to learn to anticipate your audience if this is a show where you're going to be in a straight bar that's doing a a gay night once a month don't bring out obscure shit don't bring out political shit because they're probably all trump people that just are like want to have a fun night out with or the girls. at least you don't know right you do shit way. if you're gonna be in a room with a bunch of um i'm trying to think of the the, the proper words with a bunch of the pc police do something that's harmless and innocuous. You don't need to do something that's going to push okay. the boundary. You know, call me maybe. Right. Well, Celine Dion. Yeah. <laughs> and it and you keep things, keep it light, keep it cute. That's fine. If the show is like for Bitch Fest, I do whatever the fuck I want to do. I always try to at least do one brand new number. Usually it's some type of a political commentary or something going on with current events around that to like keep people's interest. Uh, but you need to anticipate your crowd. If it's brunch, people don't want to see gory shit and like like you just gotta as an artist learn to what works at what times and what what audiences and that was something that I learned from that experience okay and we're back yay okay sorry Brandon had to piddle (laughs) sorry alcohol um so this is something I do ask people when I uh, um, interview them at work I would love to know what is your drag strength and what is your drag weakness? Oh, that is good. Uh, well, my strength, I think, is my clearly my makeup and my high energy <laughs> dance abilities. No, um, my strength is definitely my comedy and like my I think my ability to like. I don't. The only thing that I make for myself are my mixes. I don't. To be completely honest, I don't make anything else for myself. I have my costumes made. I have my wigs made. Um, I do my own makeup, clearly. Um, but, but I will say, I mean, for all those people who always come at you for your talk, makeup. I mean, it's my joke. It's the, the joke it's people the, make. It's the joke. I get it. But I will say, <laughs> compared to the cycle you started on Drag Wars yeah. to now, I mean, come on. I'll have you know that. And when I go to Florida for Comedy Queen shit, people, they live for my makeup. They're like, you always so forget, you just gotta go, you gotta leave town. It's so interesting. It's so, it's so you. When I had a friend paint my face, I had a guy paint my face for Final Night of Comedy Queen. They were like, you don't look like you. I was like, well, that was kind of point. But anyways, <laughs> um, my strength is definitely like my comedy and my ability to like make mixes and think of things that go together to like make a joke or make a point and pull obscure references. Uh, and then like, I think I'm great on a microphone. Yeah, I repeat the same, especially if it's like a fucking bachelorette party show or a brunch show. Yes, I do the same fucking jokes every single week. It's, I mean, it, when but, it's a new audience, right. it's fine. But I do come from an improv background, a theatrical improv background, so I think that helps in talking on a microphone and being able to like stall and being able to, to deal with drunk people and like get people to fucking behave without being like mean about it, which is a skill I think that most hosts need to have. Um, my weaknesses, I am not a dancer. I am not, I don't, I'm not the smallest girl in the room. I will never be like a girl to come out. I will never be Jaja St. James. I will never come out in a crop top, halter top, whatever, and do a sea number. That's just not would you? I mean, lies. Would you ever consider doing? I mean, maybe not a crop top, whatever you feel comfortable with. But do you? Do you ever I've think about? I've done like ballads and stuff before. I've done emotional songs before, and from what I've heard, is people are like, we didn't know whether or not it was supposed to be serious. So you're because they're not used to me doing serious shit. I got you. Like I did one. Now, granted, I was drunk because it was the end of Bitch Fest. But a couple Bitch Fests ago, I did. I think it might have been the first one after the election or after the inauguration. And I did a song f- from um, Color Purple called I'm, uh, called I'm Here. Oh, I'm I love that here. song. Um, and I did it in a purple dress. And I did, like, in my opinion, I emoted. And people were, like, laughing. And I was like, I don't, like, this is, like, a, an, an emotional song. I don't know. 
I just don't think that I'm capable with this persona and the way I present myself with like big hair and flashy costumes and shit of doing like serious shit. Okay. Also, I don't really like, that's not something that I would want to go see anyway. Okay. Like, it would never, Brooklyn will always be like, I just want to see you plant your feet and do a ballad. Well, good. You're the one. <laughs> You're the one who wants to see that. So, and I mean, and yeah, and I'm not a makeup artist. I think my, I've adapted from having other people paint my face. I've adapted things that I think work to my benefit, but I'm not a makeup artist. If people ask me to do their makeup, I'm able to do my face. I'm not able to do other shit. So could I stand to take a makeup class or two? Yeah, probably. Now, is that something that you strive to do better? No. Or do you feel like it, it being part of your I think character, with me, it's, with, it's fine? I think with me, with my makeup, and especially with like my big hair and the costumes and stuff, you immediately know what you're getting. You immediately get the joke. Um, it, it's not something that's going to confuse. The times that like Satine has painted me or Ariel has painted me, I look to fishy for lack of a better word to be able to do the kind of campy shit that I do without people being confused, confused. I think by what's going on speaking of special shout out to the night of drag wars where you and Satine switched places oh we places. did I love that night was one of the best numbers in we drag won, wars we history. won that night that was from all stars that me was and Satina Harlow had to switch identities and she painted me and I painted her, and then she didn't like it, so she continued to paint her. <laughs> but you, you guys did a complete transformation, which is we amazing. We did. We did. That was funny. Memories. Memories, like the corners of my mind. So yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna kind of continue on this line of questioning. Although maybe I should save that for last. What's your favorite show, other than Bitch Fest? That you are a part of. Uh, Not necessarily that you host or that you produce or whatever, um, but that you're a part of. Uh, and why? I mean, I've been with Burlesque since the beginning. Um, that's something that literally I've, I've only missed like two or three Burlesque shows in the four years that we've been doing it. Um, so th that's always fun for me because I get to come in at the end of each act as like the comedy relief and make money, like, like kind of like bring like a bookend to each act. So that's fun. I love that. And I really love doing shout out to Asta La Vista and Jimmy Boone in Jersey. I love doing Asta La's shows um, at Landmark and other places because they're extremely well organized. They're well run. There's always like an amazing setup backstage for the queens. Money is never like a, a problem in terms of like getting paid. They're always well attended. They run a tight ship. They make sure everything is is in on time. That the queens fall on the line, and I think it's great. I've actually heard nothing but amazing things about. They're great. Shows. I love. I'm so I have proud yet to of be her. able to go. I have been trying to get fucking Asta La Vista on this podcast for months. And the night that she came over and painted my face last time for, uh, for Drag Wars a couple months ago, we were going to try to do it that night. And being the perfectionist that she is, it took her almost three hours to paint my face. Oh, wow. So we were out of time. But future guest, Asta La Vista, she's come I hope. such a fucking long way. And I she's a sweetheart and she's talented. love both of them. And I love that she's getting like the credit that she Absolutely. deserves because the two of them work extremely hard. Absolutely. And they're sweethearts about it. There's not, a, like, a bad bone in their body. I wish I had a car so I could come see their yeah. shows. <laughs> but yeah, and I love, she needs money. And I love doing brunches. Like, we're on a bit of a hiatus because of, like, restaurant. The restaurant is being renovated, and we're kind of, like, in flux right now. But I love doing the brunches at Chibo because usually it's a crowd. Like, it's a daytime crowd. You get a couple mimosas in their systems, and they're often ready to go to the races and I'm a good I'm a good I'm a good performer for a bunch of straight women because I can is, that is very true because I can I can poke fun at them at a point to where they're going to laugh all my references my Celine Dion's and my Whitney Houston's and that kind of shit they, they get and they love so I like doing that okay. as well 
Yeah. Nice. So a lot of shows. How's well, it? I'm so popular and so booked, but I have so many options to choose from. <laughs> well, how is it now? I mean, you've been you've been in a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. You've hosted a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Now you're making that transition into producing mm-hmm. your shows. How how is that going? Do you do you like producing a show? I do. I it's it What's is a different responsibility. Uh, it's 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 a lot to take on. I've always been a type A personality. Like, even when I was co-producing things, I always tried to be as hands-on as possible. Just because, I that's just always how my personality has been. You can ask Luke. Like, if I I I, I micromanage, I supervise. That's just kind of how I am. But I like the responsibility. I like being able to make my own creative decisions, and I also like to. Like, I think I've created a reputation for myself with Bitch Fest and with my other shows that performers are well taken care of. They get paid at the end of the night. There's never an issue with paying the staff. Word. Paying with, like, I don't think that there's ever been a complaint on that end. So it is something that I'm proud of. Um, I had a lot of, I was, this last Saturday was the first Bitch Fest that I produced myself. And it was stressful because I didn't have a, a, a buffer zone, a barrier zone in terms of finances and stuff. But I was very happily uh, surprised by the turnout and the show itself was great and all the girls were great. And um, I mean, you, had, you super, had an amazing cast. Yeah, we too. did. We did. We were great. All of them were great. And I'm excited, plug, 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 for the upcoming one in November, which is going to be a Real Housewives themed so event. Um we're trying to get a cast member from Real Housewives of New Jersey to come, um, which is not being as easy as I had hoped it would be. No, it's not. But I did get Taboo to, um, we're going to have Skinny Girl cocktails uh, available at the event, so you can get purchased Skinny Girl margaritas or Skinny Girl uh, vodka cocktails. Very nice. There. Um, And all the girls are doing Housewives-themed numbers. And then I think at the end of the show, we're going to do a all lip synced reenactment. Do you watch Housewives of Beverly Hills? Yes. We're going to reenact the um, season one episode, uh, The Dinner Party from Hell from Beverly Hills, where Allison Dubois, the psychic, yes. <laughs> is going to be there. Yeah, I think I'm going to have Sutton, Fe- uh, Sutton Fierce be Allison Dubois. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. With the electronic please. cigarette. Yes, yeah, please. It's going to be fun. But yeah, um, Maria Topcat is doing Teresa Judice well, and really Dorinda. I don't. Um, I don't see it. Sutton Fierce is doing Vicky Gunvalson and Melania Judice, <laughs> Teresa's daughter. <laughs> um, Nevea Shea is doing Erica Jane and Kim Zoltiak. Perfect. Um, Satine Harlow is doing uh, Aviva Drescher. With the fa- with the fake leg from New oh, York City. Oh wait, yeah, it's okay. I didn't, I didn't get. <laughs> I'm into not going to tell you what she has planned, but it's fucking retarded. Um, and Jill Zarin from New York. Of course, yeah, very nice. Um, I'm doing the Countess Luann, uh, Kim Richards from Beverly Hills, and uh, Taylor Armstrong from Beverly Hills. <sighs> And then um, I don't. I don't even want to know what you're gonna do for Taylor. Vinchel is doing uh, Phaedra and Kenya Moore from Atlanta. And Very then nice. Aurora is doing Nini. Oh, you got a big cast. And she hasn't decided on a second yet, but because I've the, seen Aurora. There's Nini limited. Too. There's limited it's black good. choices. But I told her she should, she can be a white girl. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, it's gonna be funny. So I'm excited. So then what? What as a producer now, and someone that you now that you're more involved in shows and stuff, what, what goes into your process when you're hiring a girl? This is good for some some new queens out there. What? Well, that's true. I I mean I I tend to work with people that I know are going to be reliable. Um, people that there are girls that I I just I just named a few of them and the thing that I was like, okay, if you're going to be in my show, you're making brand new numbers, you're turning them into me on time, and you're not going to half-ass it the day of and be like, oh, I didn't have time. I'm just going to do, um, I'm just going to do Ghost Town. <laughs> not naming names. So um, my advice would be <laughs> be reliable. Turn your shit in on time. Um, uh, don't be dramatic in the dressing room. There are a few girls that I just witnessed in their dressing room behavior, but I'll never put in a show that that is, I'm producing myself. 
I don't care how great they are. If I a, either can't trust them or don't like their attitude in a dressing room or if not respecting no, other there, people's shit, no need for you don't need to, especially when the person that I'm thinking of in general is a relatively new queen. I don't need you. I don't need, I don't need you or your attitude. I'm good. Uh, so yeah, be likable, be friendly, be nice, turn your shit in on time. And this is stuff that everybody says in every podcast, but like, oh, yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, it's, but it's true. If you're just tuning in for the first time or you're a new queen, I mean, I, I host amateur drag night now at Latage every month. And I say that to the girls. Still, still waiting to be a judge on that. Talk, John Bird, John Bird, John Bird. John Bird. We've, we've spoke, me and Anita want to, want to judge one night. Oh yeah, you should. That'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, just be, have a good product, be likable, and and show up on time. That's another thing too. Don't fucking show up five minutes before the show is is ready to start because I don't want to have to worry about whether or not you're going to show up. Because guess what? I'm not paying you full price if you're not there on time. I've I've had this thing where I try to tell people like a half hour before I actually want them there. <laughs> the and like time I'm guilty of double booking myself. But I will be fucking upfront in the very beginning. And it's up to you whether or not you want to put up with that. I was just going to say, I think communication, too, is the thing. If you're, even if you are running late, communicate that. Yeah. Don't come running in the door five minutes as the show's about to start. You Nowadays, know. especially in Philly, there are five million shows every week. And there's a lot of drag queens, but a lot of us are doing multiple things. And especially if it's a Friday or Saturday... I might be coming from two or three shows before that, but I'm going to be, I, I'll be there when you need me to. I'm just, I'm communicating that to you. Yeah. And I appreciate, appreciate that from the people that I book. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Should I wrap this up with one last question? Sure. Go right ahead. Okay. We're right at the perfect, I try to keep everything around 45 minutes. So oh, good. good. Here we thought we were going to run long. I know, right? Um, okay. So I would like to know one thing that you love about the Philadelphia drag community mm-hmm. and one thing that you hate about the Philadelphia drag community. Um, or maybe hate's a strong word. Dislike. Dislike. Would like to see change, maybe. Well, I love everyone but Satine Harlow. And I hate <laughs> Satine Harlow. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, I love the diversity. I love that there is a show for every type of queen. If you do spooky drag, there's devil drag for you. If you do, if all you want to do is put on a pop song and and ride around on the stage and be sexy, there's plenty of shows for you to do that. If you want to do comedy, there's shows for you. If, you, if you're a live singer, there's a show for you. If you're a, a drag queen who does burlesque also, there's a show for you. If you want to make a political statement as your art, there's a show for you. And while... Things that I've said there are not personally my cup of tea. They're cup of tea for lots of other people. And there's, especially coming from a community like Baltimore, where there was not anything like that, I think it's great that we have those opportunities because queens like me would not have thought it was possible. Can I tag team on top of that? I also think Philadelphia is great for, if you have an idea for a show, if you work hard... You can get it. You can get it done. You make a name for yourself, and you have an idea. Right. There are bars out there who are willing to give you right. a shot. And at shout out, it. shout out to Brittany Lynn at Taboo. I I've seen she's giving lots yes. of different yes. new queens a chance to to here. Here's a Wednesday night. Do with it what you want. And and if you if you pull in a crowd and you do something good here, yeah, we'll certainly book it again. And I think that's great that there that there's places that are willing to offer that opportunity for for performers no absolutely and that that's one of the things that i love it's you know you work hard you have an idea i mean that's how i started yeah i would think i would say on the if i if there was something that i disliked um and we've talked about it in previous episodes i just don't like the whole i think it's a combination of entitlement from newer queens a lot, I've noticed a lot lately with some queens that feel like they invented something. It's like nowadays, there's, there's, there's really not any new original ideas. Someone has done that monologue before. Yeah. Someone has done that song before. You didn't invent pairing up God Warrior with something, something else. 
or serial mom. That's right. Another exactly. One I'm, I'm so ha- right. <laughs> overhearing. Right. So, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not naming names or anything, but like, I would just say there's a lot of, because there are so many of us and there are, we just talked about how many opportunities there are. Now I'm going to say that there's limited opportunities, <laughs> but because there are so many of us fighting for those gigs that are out there, you, it does lead to infighting and like everyone's deep underneath of the wigs and the hair and everything. We're all just like dramatic gay boys who want attention. So we're going to get attention. However, we can Sometimes it's not the best way. So I think that's one of the things, especially lately. And like, I've had some, I've had some issues with some performers in the city who just don't like me for whatever reason, for what I do, who've, um, I won't use the word assault, but they've done some things physically that I don't think are right, that I would want them to, to maybe re- reevaluate the circumstances. And I just wish that it didn't have to be like that because at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same thing and we have enough other shit to worry about. We don't need to worry about the infighting and like being attacked physically or online from other drag queens. No, I, oh, online fighting, that's the one thing I don't like. I will not fight with you online. You want to talk, talk one-on-one, I am more than willing to. Yeah. But uh, online fighting is, is yeah. something that drives me crazy. But, but okay. Well, I don't want to end on a negative. I know. No. I, Good. You're we a terrible interviewer. I know. We I should have flipped it around. I should have said, what do you dislike? What do you love? I know. Uh, but no, I'm very grateful, and I will say, like, this has been, like, I five years ago, I would never have dreamed that I would be, like, sitting in an apartment with fucking 50 wig heads staring at us, and, like, every single weekend, like, basically, like, it's funny, I was saying, like, my... She has a late weekend this week, only, like, one only, or two shows. Only four or five gigs. Um, <laughs> I, my social life is doing drag, like... That's yeah, yeah. It's a job, but it's also like where all my friendships have come from. So, I'm grateful for that. Oh, so. that's awesome. Yeah, and I'm it grateful. Is, it is an amazing community. Like yeah. and we fight. I feel like we are the quintessential family. We fight. We argue. Right. We hate each other. Sometimes. There are the ants that we don't love get each along. Other sometimes. There's the the uncle that we excommunicate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go. it's like any other family. You fight. You argue. But the in the end, we always have the each facts other's facts. Yep. Well, thank you, Brandon, for thank coming you. over to interview me, for letting me ramble. And thank you, all the listeners, for uh, listening up to episode 25. That does not include, I'm only including my interviews. I'm not including the, um, the RuPaul's Drag Race recaps. No, I mean, that's impressive. Episode. So it is a lot. It's an undertaking, but I appreciate everyone tuning in every other week and we will see you all next episode bye bye all right kids that was our episode i hope you enjoyed it i had fun taking a trip down memory lane uh thank you so much if you are already subscribed to the podcast if you don't Go ahead and click that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to, either iTunes or Google Play Music, and I will see you kids in just two weeks for our next episode. Have fun at OutFest, stay safe, don't do anything I wouldn't do, which isn't much, and make positive decisions. Bye!